tonight it is just me and Noel, and we are just going to talk to you guys about, well, what we've been watching. Okay, uh, Noel, do you want to take it off since you seem you have more recommendations than I do? Well, I was actually going to, um, I was actually going to, um, do like, um, talk about concept, uh, um, things I've been thinking about that link some of the movies. And I, I talked to you guys a little bit about it before and possibly maybe for a future, um, you know, com bigger conversation. But I was thinking that, um, I've been thinking a lot about, um, I think, my two favorite films from last year were um, 10 Cloverfield Lane and Don't Breathe. You've seen both, right? Uh, yes. And sorry. And I think that they're they're very similar in that they're both um, about a father figure and a daughter figure. And um, it seemed to they seem to resonate with each other um and i feel like they're both uh, portraits of what's going on in the country right now in a really interesting way they're both political in a weird way um there's certainly issues of poverty in both films and living in kind of a wasteland um in 10 cloverfield lane it, it's like possibly sci-fi wasteland but in you know in um don't breathe. It's it's like the most brutal neighborhood of Detroit you've ever seen. It's just so horrible, mm -hmm. and people have nothing. You know, people people have nothing, and people are living alone. And um, the guys on um, Jibber Jabber. Hey, Kevin and uh, Mr. <laughs> Jibber Jabber. Kevin said something really interesting about why people complain with Ten Cloverfield Lane about the last part of the film where she escapes from the compound and uh, people, a lot of people don't like it. You're typing a super loud. Just I'm so you sorry. Know. <laughs> um, I'm trying to and, look up images of jibber jabber. <laughs> and Kevin, Kevin said he, um, you know, the film is about different kinds of fear and that John Goodman's character represents you know, the ultra right wing kind of uh, hide yourself away from the enemy that that they're coming to get you paranoia, fear, and that the lead actress, the lead character, who's a you know woman in her 20s, when she escapes, spoiler alert, she uh, her fear is about getting involved because, you know, at the beginning of the film, she talks about she broke up. The relationship breaks up, and I think that the this has been a long time since so I've seen it, but the the phone call from the boyfriend says like an unwillingness to commit, or th there's a whole series of things at the beginning that give us clues that she's very detached and distant from the world around her. And the very end, you know, she makes the choice to overcome her fear and and join some kind of larger. Uh, community that's fighting the invasion. Now, I'm t this is all, all meaningless to anybody who hasn't seen Tever 10 Cloverfield Lane. Let me just say, you must see 10 Cloverfield Lane, whether you yeah. like the original Cloverfield or not. It is a beautiful film. It's perfectly executed. And and it's not that... And then Don't Breathe is similar. It's three or four people in a, in a very enclosed space. 
And it ends up being a, a showdown between a young woman in her 20s and an older man who's disturbed because the John Goodman character in Ted Cloverfield Lane is very disturbed. So there's this younger woman, older man, and in both films, they're trying to, the men are trying to make the woman into daughter figures. And mm -hmm. um, I thought that, and, and there's a kind of, um, everybody is, um, and, and daughter figure slash, certainly in 10 Cloverfield Lane, it's not, it's not clear if he wants a sexual relationship with her. I think it's a daughter thing, you know, even though. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's a daughter thing, but it does border on the strange daughter. Totally, um, totally. Because they're very the questionable at times. Yeah. I agree because yeah. he shows her pictures of a young woman who he says was her daughter. And then you find out she wasn't his daughter, but mm -hmm. you don't know, was he raping her? Was there a sexual yeah, thing? Yeah, And he's definitely like really jealous of the other guy whenever the other guy like touches her or just even gets right. close to her. He's just like, no, 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 she's mine. But yeah, this is uh this mm -hmm. is, we're talking about 10 Cloverfield Lane. There's three people yes. uh, uh, and, and a young man, John, a young man, our young woman and John Goodman is amazing. Yeah. John Goodman <laughs> amazing and everything but like seriously Tim Cloverfield Lane he remind me how amazing he is I think it's the best performance of his yeah. I've ever seen I'm not a fan of his and he plays on all of his worst qualities in Tim Cloverfield Lane mm -hmm. but then you realize it's for it's for a yeah. reason it's for a bigger purpose and then you get the same kind of weird showdown and it is a father in don't breathe trying to get a replacement daughter now it doesn't it does have a sexual component but in a really sick and twisted way and i think that um it's not sexual in an overt way but the subtext of what's going on has a is is in fact it's explicitly sexual yeah it is it's incredibly like a lot of people are i remember a lot of people arguing that that's like what was going on in that film was not rape and i'm like it absolutely was what are you yeah. talking about if you force something into a woman's vagina, whether it's your penis or not, um, it sounds it sounds more gruesome than it is for anybody listening. Don't breathe is that's, that's a very small part of the movie too. It's a very small part of the movie, yeah. and it's super important to what I'm thinking because it's about trying to the 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 father figure in Don't Breathe. He's blind and he's very troubled, and he's a veteran, which is very much of the moment. And, um, you know, he, he, oh, I don't want to give too much away again. Yeah. Cause don't breathe is such I a, do love, like I went into don't breathe completely blind and I, I love yeah. doing that in movies. That's the only I way think, I want to see any movie. And yeah. I love just how many twists that movie kept taking. Oh, yeah. like, as I was going through it, I'm like, Oh, it's like a weird heist movie. Oh wait, no, it's this dude's like home invasion. Crazy. Reverse. What's that? What's that blind fury? The the blind kung fu movie. Yeah. I'm like, oh wait, no, this is like weird blind fury. Oh wait, no, it keeps getting worse. Yeah, and then it's sort of. I've heard it accused of going into torture porn territory at the end, mm -hmm. but I don't think it is because it. Yes, it has rape elements to it, but ultimately the man John Goodman says to the young woman in 10 Clover Lane please don't leave me that's the last thing he says mm -hmm. before she escapes I did spoil that <laughs> and I think that in don't breathe he's doing a similar thing he's desperate and sad like in both films I feel so sorry for everybody basically everybody's really messed up mm -hmm. and people are unable to connect and 
um, I mean, you feel empathy for the young woman in Don't Breathe who's trying to steal the guy's money because she's living in a horrible home environment and her younger sister is being, you know, she wants to take her younger sister out of a really desperate um, home environment that didn't seem overdone to me at all. That seemed very realistic. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, I mean, we're both, we're talking about what's going on in this country, in the middle of this country. These are, I hate to say it, but these are Trump areas or these are, well, maybe, I don't know about Detroit, but this is middle America and this is all of our worst fears about what's going on in this country and families breaking apart and, and veterans coming back from the war really disturbed and people losing their children and this whole idea of Who's gonna leave, who's gonna be left behind when I'm gone? And the father figure, the old blind man, veteran, crazy, in Don't Breathe, is uh, is very concerned about having a grandchildren. Let's just yeah. put it that way. And it's very I find I find it very moving in a very weird way, as sick and weird and twisted as it is. So I thought that both of those films were really interesting in that this father-daughter thing seemed to be going on. And then I watched more recently Train to Busan, uh, the Korean zombie on a train film. Have you watched it yet, Monica? No, I have not. It's on my list. I, I'm going through it. I got to watch that in Raw still. Oh, <laughs> Raw's another one. I mean, Raw is dealing with the sister-sister thing, I think, more than anything. Although there's a little bit of family stuff on the edge. So on the edges of the, of the story, but yeah, that's another film we have got to talk about because um, it's a young female director and a young female protagonist. Similarly, I, I just think that, um, you know, the what the coming wave of horror is going to be directed by women and starring women and women in strong roles. Um, not I'm all victims. for that. <laughs> So anyway, um, Train to Busan is, um, it's a great film, like all the Korean horror we've seen and that I've seen. I mean, I have yet to see a Korean horror or thriller that didn't have great, you know, that wasn't, it may have flaws, but it's just so full of invention and excitement Mm -hmm. and always so well made. And the acting is always so good and grounded, at least it seems from, you know, culturally from our perspective. But it's all... Oh, oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, what I've noticed from the Korean horror that I've watched, um, the thing that always impresses me the most is just the characters. Like, we yeah. kind of have cookie cut out characters that we throw in, not just horror films, like movies in general. We keep yeah. throwing in, like, you know, A profile here meets B profile here and shenanigans. But right. um, I, I like Korean horror films because you get all wide scopes of personalities and yeah. fully fleshed out characters with backgrounds and mental illnesses. And like, <laughs> they're really good. It's yeah, more that... realistic, it's slightly cartoony sometimes, but life is cartoony. I, I agree that that's what makes the Korean, particularly the crime thrillers, oh, yeah. uh, which which border onto horror in, in the mm-hmm. Korean realm i agree that the characters and that's what i loved and what was so unusual about don't breathe and 10 cloverfield lane is that those were character studies character dramas as much as they were thrill rides Mm -hmm. or horror horror you know the characters took precedence over the horror and train to busan is even more what you're saying because you get a whole because it's a 
public train, people traveling, you get a whole wide um, range of different types and different kinds of people interacting. And even if it, there wasn't the zombies, you could imagine it still being really interesting because you've got all these different types and they're all interacting in different ways. And yes, they pay a lot of attention to um, who these people are and all, you know, you, you follow all the nuances. They're so detailed about how people deal with each other. And in Train to Busan, it's a father and his young daughter. And the father gets uh, messages. I think he might have a phone call or two with the ex-wife. And just from those little phone calls, you learn so much about the relationship between the father, his ex-wife, and the daughter. And in Train to Busan, the father is very detached. He's very obsessed with... Um, you know, work and finances and money, and he's young, and the daughter's really young. <clears throat> and the Koreans have no qualms about, you know, using little little innocent girls, like in peril. Uh -huh. Now, in an American film, I would throw up. I would say <laughs> this is totally, I mean, yeah. I guess uh, um, Poltergeist got away with it, but I now I don't think I would buy it you know i think everybody would say that well, even looking back with poltergeist like the only scene where the child was actually in peril was when she was being sucked into the closet the rest of the time it was just like they're here like she's just hearing voices and seeing stuff it wasn't anything really dangerous until that one scene yeah we hear her but she's in peril and that's kind yeah of, even though we don't see any real violence and and i would say in the korean horror i'm thinking of the we don't see I can't remember, but the host is a father figure and a daughter. I don't. Is he her father or is he like her uncle or it's her brother? Been a I can't long remember. time, but I yeah. feel like he was her uncle. Something like that. But it has been a very long time since I've seen this movie. So I feel like the host and Train to Busan, and it's the same director, right? I'm pretty sure. Well, that's a crystal question. It, isn't it Bong Joon? <laughs> Well, it's Bong Joon-ho did the host. Didn't he do Train to Busan? I'm almost positive. Uh, I should have done my research better. I didn't either. Don't worry. I was so busy setting up Twitch. But Train to were... Busan is... No, it's uh, Sang-ho Young. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, I know I he's... I'm not sure of that director. I don't know. It's It's got a similar vibe in that it's... Um... I'm not recognizing anything else of his. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, I feel like he's done something I've seen, but I don't remember. Anyway, it's another father-daughter thing. And the the little girls in peril in the Korean films we've seen um, don't bother me as much. Now, maybe a, Korean, a sophisticated Korean horror audience would be like, throwing up too. I don't know. <laughs> like we would, if it was, you know, an American film. But... And and the the daughter the the young girl in Train to Busan is very similar to the one in the host, and the host is a Korean monster movie from a few years ago. For anybody that's listening, and we're like running through all these movies, and people may not know what I'm talking about. But Train to Busan is last year, and um, it's a similar little girl. It might even be the same actress. It, that she's it's it's a smart, quiet but very perceptive young woman. And the father is very distant and detached. And I think the a lot happens in Train to Busan and it moves very fast and there's a lot of characters. But basically, 
it's about a relationship between a father and a daughter and the father's inability to realize that he needs to put, I mean, it sounds really conventional that he needs to put his family first, but again, and the same thing with um, the host, uh, even though he's her uncle, he's responsible for her and he's behaving like a teenager when the film starts. And by the end, there's some sense that he's grown and he's more capable of taking care of this young this young girl. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It just keeps coming up again and again of, and I, if I was going to get really pretentious, which is what I tend to do, or <laughs> read, read too much into this, I would say that this is of great concern because the old, the older white man, and not even white, but the older, we know that the family unit is no longer what it was Mm -hmm. and that single parent households are like, you don't even, you know, is nothing now. It's not Mm -hmm. even marked upon, but I do think that symbolically the father who's the, who's working and taking care of the family or, or the father who hasn't grown up yet or the father who's deranged, like all of these patriarchal figures, you know, they haven't really, they, the world is not in a. They haven't done a great job, or they're not doing a great job, or we're coming to ecological crisis or whatever. You know, the world's ending, and they've dropped the ball, and it's worse now than ever. And I don't need to mention any names, or I'm not going to talk about obvious stuff. And I think that if you look at universities or educational institutions or all the main, all the big. Uh, careers or, or fields, it's it's all women. I mean, women are entering the workforce and entering the educational system just in unprecedented numbers. And there's no question that the future of the world belongs to women. And I think that there's this question of how is that handoff going to happen? And can the men who fumble the world, because the guy in Train to Busan is all involved with money and um, uh, all the kind of um, financial shenanigans that have gotten us into so much trouble and have created so many problems for so many people. I mean, the film is definitely making a political commentary as far as that goes. And I see the zombies in Train to Busan as like the flow of global capital. I know that's insane, and I don't know what makes me think that, but when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, this is about the... <laughs> the circulation of global capital. <laughs> I have no idea why I think that. But basically handing off the world from the older from the father to the daughter and the men unwilling to let go and they have to let go because um they don't have a choice and uh-huh. um this is a it's huge but I just and I'm only talking about I can't say from four films I can come up with this huge um metaphor for what's going on in the entire world because it isn't just united states i'm talking about korea as well but they're you know their um capitalism has gone bonkers in korea the way that it has here in mm-hmm. the past and i don't know so these are these are these have been really all these films all four of these films the host train to busan 10 cloverfield lane and don't breathe. And I would say anybody listening must see all four of them. You won't be disappointed. Well, They've all got. A, oh, go ahead. But there. Well, just what you said that that 
you can't help but feel for everybody, even even the monster and the host. <laughs> you kind of feel sad for him because we saw in the introduction in the host that first scene, we see that the creepy American old man tells the young Korean assistant, oh, pour all of these toxic chemicals into the river. <laughs> so it's like the poor creature and the host, it was not his fault. You know, he's stuck in the river and he's he's uh, flat thrashing around. So basically, yeah, um, empathy for everybody and trying to figure out uh, a really difficult, not just family, but I think world situation. So you were going to say something. Oh, I was just, I was just going to mention, because you were talking about how it, it kind of reflects what's going on socioeconomically in today. And I find that interesting because when it comes to history and past civilizations, we always know more about them based on the stories they tell more than anything else than we can learn from anything else. And it's it's interesting because we do tell more about ourselves in the stories we tell than we do when we just flat out talk to people on the news or anything. It's always, I think I think there's something to be said for it's it's kind of like when you're trying to talk to your doctor about an illness you have, it's easier for you to say, well, my friend has this rash, and I feel like it's almost easier for us to express our feelings if it's it's not our feelings, it's this character's mm. feelings. Oh, that's really interesting. What and, a, that's a great parallel and well because uh, i started thinking about it because i was watching this uh after hours um video on cracked cracks channel on youtube and they have one talking about how 80s and 90s sitcoms mostly uh, there were some like regular normal plutonic families but largely were uh single dads yeah. because oh, around yeah. that time divorce was getting big and it was in the shows it was usually because the mother died but they were more trying to deal with the fact that now it's it's normal to be a single dad or a single mom. And they were trying to show it in still a kind of way that won't shake the rock the boat by saying, mm. like, oh, the parent died. But it was just more of helping people associate with divorce and realize that there is life after divorce. And you can have a happy family and you can get through all these problems without or with just one parent or, yeah. you know, two dads or two moms or whatever. And so, like, just looking at television in the 80s and 90s told us a lot about us as a civilization in the 80s and 90s. And I kind of wonder, like, what the movies today are saying about us. And you bringing up this whole, not even just America, like America and Korea have a fascination with the untraditional and kind of failing father figure mm, yeah yeah uh, so that kind of makes me think about what our movies are saying about us today uh, yeah and our father figures <laughs> oh absolutely i i read a theory that the, the the sitcoms from the 80s and 90s of the single father or no they had said that the the satire that the american father being no longer having to be the macho aggressor started like post-world war ii like immediately with like um um you know leave it to beaver and andy griffith and all that kind of stuff of these father figures they're either being satirized or they're being their powers being taken away from them that it's a process of it's after the the violence of world war ii or 
I can't remember what this theory said, but the representation of fatherhood and manhood in American culture has been so um, complicated. And horror films always reflect it, right? Cause, yeah. Like, because there's always violence, so it's like, who's doing the violence and yeah, why? Yeah, it's always, and... it seems to be the ones that talk more about political issues are always comedy and horror, because they both are, it's easier for them to go to the extreme spectrum. Yeah. So right. comedy can go to the extreme because it's it's satire, but horror right. can go to the extreme because that's what you want when you get horror. Right. That's what you're looking for. Right. Exactly. And I mean, like, The Exorcist is about post-Vietnam men regaining their sense of selves. But, of course, the way they do it is by beating up young girls, um, or one young girl in this case. Yeah. The father, Karis, you know, rediscovers his his manhood because he's felt that he's been a failure up until then. And that's another father. I mean, in that's a single parent film, but um, Regan's got, she's got like five father figures in that film. Yeah. And she, she, kno she goes through, she is... knocks them side and the left and right. <laughs> she gets through them all. I love that. I love that, yeah. that film. I'm like, you go girl. They're assholes. <laughs> And that's one way of reading that film. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I agree with you that following the, there's so many ways to read. Um, but yeah, it's always has a political residue. Um, I think in something like Train to Busan, I think, uh, I don't know, the, the do you feel like the horror films from Korea that we've seen in the thrillers and the violent films, they seem so high budget. They seem so well made. They seem made so with so much care and craft like a monster i guess that's the same here like i don't know if because I, I know like several countries have like tax write-offs and like stip stip what do you call those stipends if you film in the country because they're trying yeah. i don't know if korea has that but i know when it comes to like k-pop have you ever watched any k-pop music videos no, they have they full fledged plush? movie budgets some K-pop music videos I've watched look better than most of the movies I see. That's funny. I don't know if I don't know if that's I don't know if it's a government stimulus thing or if that's just the they're like, hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, we're gonna go all out. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Because I know we're just talking about a tiny sliver of mm -hmm. Korean culture. There's like a huge. Uh, there's a huge film industry for uh, romantic comedies. Like they do all yeah. kinds of things, but boy, they have K dramas. They're more popular than our soap operas. Yeah, right. But boy, the ones we've watched, they just so much care is taken. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the writing and the characterization and top-notch acting. And yeah, I was actually talking to one of my coworkers about the cop dramas, the Korean cop dramas, because he loves Korean cop dramas. So I was uh, telling him, yeah, like just, just, the cop films and I was telling him yeah. about I saw the devil and uh, mother I told him you should watch mother oh, um, and he was it. telling me about a bunch and he's like I thought you were a horror fan and I'm like have you watched Korean cop <laughs> dramas because those are horror films some of the bloodiest <laughs> I know. Films I've ever seen people get so scared at the at the J-horror and I'm like yeah it is so soft and yeah. the same thing with like all of our American horror right now is going through this very soft phase of you know, Annabelle and haunted houses and old school ghosts. And um, we're supposed to be terrified. What, what, the Conjuring, me and a mm -hmm. friend. I hope I haven't said all of this before. But <laughs> me and a friend made jokes about it that um, 
you know, someone clapping is supposed to be terrifying. Yeah. It's like, this is the stupidest thing I think we've ever seen. Or let me put it this way. There's nothing scary about it at all. And man, those Korean films, they cut right to the chase and they bore deep. Um, and the horror, the um, blood... At first, I felt that it was excessive, and now the more I see them, the more I realize it's part of the language of the genre, or that it, I don't know, it doesn't feel, I'm not going to say it's not excessive, because it is, but the violence in something like Mother, another film that everybody needs to see, uh, this is like 2015, 14, uh, maybe? I don't remember. Korean film, I'm not Mama. All these questions. Oh no, I know. <laughs> Everybody should see Mother. Uh, 2009. Oh wait. No. Oh, it's that early, huh? That, it might be that. Yeah, that's the Korean one. Yeah, 2009. Yeah. I mean, all the violence in that film is important and significant because these uh, these filmmakers are telling real stories. I'm really excited to see where the 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 Cloverfield people go next um, because the end of ten. Cloverfield Lane, uh, it gives you a taste of what the next movie might be like, possibly. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't like the first Cloverfield at first, and then watching it again, I realized how really, I think it's amazing. And having been in New, oh, now I'm going off on a whole other tangent. Sorry. All right. No, I'm no, done. no. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I appreciated Cloverfield, but I didn't love Cloverfield. But I adore Ten Cloverfield Lane. I think that's it's. It's fantastic. Everybody who was, I mean, there's only three people in it, but they were all phenomenal. Everything you could adapt it, it for, you could do a stage version of it. Yeah, like, oh man, really I would watch that so the fast. Writing, the writing is so good if you have the right actors. It's yeah. really. And I really like, I don't, well, I didn't actually know the other guy, but um, the girl from Scott Pilgrim and then John Goodman, I both, I like both of them. I think they're both phenomenal oh, I think, actors. I think the young guy was good too. And I know he was good, but I don't know who he is. Uh, he was in. He's in something. Hold on, I can't about. remember. Ten he's really good. Lane, IMDb. There's only like three people in this movie. Uh, There's there is Gallagher. a four. He's in. He's in Hush. He's in Belco Experiment. Oh, Hush was was he the killer? He's in John no. Hex. Uh, Hush was such a disappointment. Not a whole lot of big things are popping out, other than he does a lot of cop dramas, it looks like, Law and Order, uh, NYPD Blue. Did you see like Hush? That. Hush. Oh, yeah. Oh, snap. Yeah, I totally, I was like reading it off and I didn't realize what it was. I liked Hush. I liked yeah, that movie a lot. I thought it could have gone so much further. And he, whoever played the killer, I don't think it's that guy, is it? Uh, he the was killer? the man, unless that was the fiance of the other girl. He's just listed as the man, so I think so. He was so less impressive uh, in Hush than he was in Cloverfield. I like that movie because it's one of the few movies that actually deal with that, like, what if you are deaf and you have a home, in home invasion? You don't know. You're not aware of yeah. it. Yeah. Like that, I, it was it was a whole new fear I didn't know I had. Basically, that's why I enjoyed <laughs> what, it. What a fear of going deaf and then fear, getting a fear of going deaf, not realizing it, and then someone breaks into my house at the same time. <laughs> I think you know when you were. I think you know you've gone deaf before anybody. I don't. Had time I don't think in. you're aware of how oblivious I can be sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you're usually doing eight things at once. So I know. 
I just, I'd be like, why did my TV stop playing sound? What's wrong with my TV? I don't know. You would know. <laughs> we need Kenda for the discussion about hearing. Oh, I know. I, I know. Is... I immediately told her she should watch that movie after I finished it. I think there's some things that because deaf people can hear some can hear sound and so, certainly yeah vibrate. there's there's a lot to be said for vibration yeah, and they, lights they didn't, and reflections and stuff like that they but. weren't that strict they weren't yeah anyway hush is okay it, it gives a marginal recommendation yeah. for me because there was that one scene where he like busts in the bathroom behind her and I was like, dude, I see your hair moving. How do you not know he's behind you? Like, your hair is literally moving uh, around your face. Well, see, that's a perfect example that all the movies I recommended have great character development, <laughs> and Hush does not. Yeah. The, two, the, the woman, the deaf woman, we don't know very much about her except that she's deaf. Um, <laughs> and, and the invader, we hardly know, and I... More and more, I'm interested in horror movies where the the bad yeah. person or the monster, we know that we know them, and not that we feel sorry for them, but the more you know the person doing the killing, the more disturbing the movie is, because it's like, oh, I can kind of see where he's or she is coming from, mm-hmm. um, you know that that like, yeah. Anyway, it's like if I was a going back to uh, Don't Breathe, if I was a Vietnam vet who had gone blind or been stricken blind and and had lost his daughter and was living in the worst part of Detroit. I mean, I don't think I'd be as crazy as he was in the movie, but I don't think I'd be in a good place. You know what no. I mean? And there's you know something I mean? to be said for isolation as well. Like we don't know how long he's been isolated. Well, I mean, he's got the person in the basement, but aside from the person in the basement who doesn't want to talk to him. Yep. Anyway, so those, that was my kind of big thing. So. Okay. What have you been watching? Well, I've been watching a million things, but the two that I wanted to talk about, I have a good one and I have a meh one. So I'll do meh first. Uh, this is, uh, it's streaming on Netflix. You can watch it. Uh, it's called XX, and it is a series of short films. By which, women. Is it really? I didn't even know that. I, isn't that what it is? It's fe- It's female horror directors? Uh, it would make I sense. They all seem to be more focused on the female point of view. I have it up on IMDb. I can look it up. Um, but it's a series of short films, and it wasn't that it was bad. It was just there were two short films that I really loved, and then two short films that I was like, oh, I could have done without these. The two I'll talk about the two that I really loved. Mm. The first one um, was about basically a little boy who just kind of stops eating because he saw a like he's on the train and with his family and it's around Christmas time and there's a dude that has a present on the train with him and he's like oh what's inside and the the man opens the present and he's like he gets off immediately he's like oh it's a present for my family and he gets off immediately and it moves on but you can tell like whatever the little boy saw he's immediately disturbed from that point on and then from that point on he stops eating it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head, I bet. No, sorry. Hey, <laughs> yeah, was, was a seven reference? That was a seven reference um, for anybody. <laughs> but what I that really... Would me. Yeah. 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 Sorry. <laughs> Actually, but, uh, she disturbs me with her head on. I know. So she's. I know. Crystal used to make fun of me because I have this rating of actors of what I trust them with my purse in a party. 
And right. she could never understand because Gwyneth Paltrow, I'm like, no, nah, I wouldn't give her my purse. And Chris was like, why? And I was like, I don't know. I just wouldn't trust her with my purse. She's too self-involved. <laughs> you know, something. This would... was before I even knew anything about her. Just looking at her in movies, I'm like, no, nah, I wouldn't trust her with my purse. And Chris was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> just like, she's just not just trustworthy. Just pretty doesn't mean she's trustworthy. Anyway, sorry. So, um, anyways, so, but what I really eating. loved about this movie was they didn't mention it, but the father cooks dinner for the family every night. And the father, for one thing, I love the role reversal because usually it's the mother that's always like, there's something wrong with the kid. There's something wrong. I just know it's mother's instinct. I just know there's something wrong with the kid. And the husband is always like, oh, whatever, you're just being yeah. crazy and patronizing and all that. But in this movie, it was it was the other way around. The father was the one that was like super concerned about the little boy. He hasn't been eating. And the mother was like, I'm sure he's just loading up on junk food at school. Mm. So when he comes home, he's not hungry. But then right. it's like a weekend and he's not eating all day. And the father, like, they show every meal the father makes. And I really loved this because oh, that's, that's the fabulous. first meal was, like, you know, fancy hoity-toity rich people food. Like, some chicken foie gras or something. Can't even pronounce it right because I don't eat that. <laughs> but I'm not sure it, what you were even trying to pronounce. Foie gras. Oh, foie gras. Foie gras. Foie gras. Don't but, ever uh, eat that. It's where they shove the tube down the poor duck. But we don't need to go. Anyways, but it's like fancy food. And yeah. then the next day, it's like lasagna. And then the next day, it's spaghetti and meatballs. And then the next mm. day, it's like pigs in a blanket and pizza. And you can tell, like, the uh, father is trying to appeal yeah, more yeah, and more to the child because he wants the kid to eat. And that was such a small detail that... Yeah. It came across, because, I mean, you only have, like, 15 minutes for the short film to go. Right. And that right there told me everything I needed yeah. to know about the movie. And I was just like, that was really good, you guys. <laughs> you guys. You guys, you did a great job there. Gold star. <laughs> um, but notes. then the other short film I really liked in it was pretty much, I feel like it was a massive fan of Rosemary's Baby, just like me. I felt mm -hmm. for them. But that story was pretty much in Rosemary's Baby. There's a scene where she goes to see another um, doctor and he tells her to go take a nap and he'll he'll sort it all out. But then he ends up calling the, the doctor that's drugging her and they come and take her away. But this movie is what if that doctor actually helped Rosemary, mm. gave her some money, got her a bus ticket, told her to get the hell out of Dodge. Hmm. And so it picks up from there, and it's her raising this. She's she's got an eighteen year old boy who's like has Dexter ish tendencies, and she's really concerned at this point because now he's eighteen, and she's just like, "Your father's gonna come for you now." Hmm. And it's such a good movie, and it had like such like it was it was all very subtle, but just from the way they were telling the backstory, I started picking up. I'm like, "This is Rosemary's Baby," like one hundred percent. You just took Rosemary's <clears throat> Baby and went a different direction with it. Oh, how interesting! So it it wasn't literal about it, but you could pick no, it up. No, but I I from from the beginning, as soon as they had the scene with the doctor, I immediately associated it to Rosemary's Baby because oh. I'm like, oh, it's like this weird demon child kind of. Interesting. But then as it kept going, I was like, no, that's exactly what this is. Oh, but that sounds the great. ending to it was so. Beautiful. Oh, good. Okay. I wasn't sure because <laughs> was, I can't see your face, so I wasn't sure. I, I, know, I, know. I was this. like, I'm trying to figure out how to word this, like, because it wasn't really beautiful, but to me, it was very moving. 
the mm. way they ended it. And I was just like, I was crying, actually, mm. by the end of that little short film. Mostly because I was associating Mia Farrow to it. But it was it was really good. I was really impressed with that. The other short films were just kind of meh. There was one I really disliked, and then the other one was just like, all right, it's okay. But that was pretty interesting. It's on Netflix. You can watch it. I, it was definitely worth my time. Like, well, listen, I mean, with a with a omnibus film or whatever, where it's different, you know, different mm-hmm. short films, two out of two is 50% is really good. Yeah, and, yeah. And it only because uh, those are notoriously difficult, you yeah. know, because the, you just can't keep the quality up. It's like um, with like ABCs of horror and stuff. It's like they have, what, 24, 23? How many letters are in the alphabet? I don't know. <laughs> 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 they have, however many letters are in the alphabet, that's how many films they have. And I can probably think of five that I liked from ABCs of horror. This is the ABCs of death? ABCs of death, you're right. Yeah, ABCs of death. And there's, there's, there's two of them. Yeah. And... I mean, there's a lot of misses on those, especially when you start getting to the X, Y, Z letters. But because uh, they run out of possibilities. Yeah. yeah, they're just like, what do I do with Z? Zygote, I guess. Zebra. You can only do so many horror <laughs> charts with zebras or xylitol? xylophones. <laughs> the killer, the haunted xylophone. I were like, like it was a killer, uh, killer tomatoes. You do a killer bubblegum. It's just pretty much <laughs> but, the blob. I haven't seen those because they just sound so gruesome. And there's some animals. of them are really good, but it's like yeah. it's like five of them are really good, and then the rest are just. What's the one? There's the other one. Um, I think it's called Holidays. Um, there's another show. Yeah, right. The Father's Day. If you can just find that one on YouTube, just watch Father's Day. Just Father's that Day. That one's okay. phenomenal. Mm. Just. Oh, I loved it. I I oh, I wish I. I would love to watch a full version, like a full feature film of that, but I feel like it would mm. ruin it. Because it's like lights out. Like it's one of those things that it, you don't need to go farther with it. Right. The short film is kind of the perfect version of this. Um, Interesting. I will check that out. But yeah. Uh, the Father's, the other holiday ones, I mean, some of them were okay. But Father's Day on that was okay. insane good. And then, okay, and my second movie, let me pull up the picture. So I can do my scene switcher. <laughs> uh, my other movie is the one that you recommended to me, the uh, 2015 oh, yeah. Evolution. I'm so glad that you liked I it. I cannot express how much I love this movie. And I loved it, too, because I was like, Noel just gave me a Lovecraft recommendation, and I'm not sure he realized it. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't realize it. It is hardcore, but it's beautiful. Really? It was, I mean... The funny thing is, too, is partway through the film, I forgot it was in another language because there's so little talking in the movie. It's mostly. And that little boy that's in the movie is so expressive with just like the slightest eye twitch. I knew exactly what was going on in his mind. Like, um, I don't know if I want to go too far into what evolution's about, but. I wouldn't even know how to if I had to. uh, How do you even describe it? A short synopsis would be a little boy goes swimming and they live on like a seaside uh, territory. And I immediately picked up when I was watching this because I made Paul watch it too. I immediately picked, and I'm happy I did because it was very Lovecraft and then I think he liked it. But, um,. I immediately picked up that I'm like, where are all the men in this village? This all seems to be mothers. It's just little boys and their mothers, and that's it. 
And so basically a little boy goes swimming in this the ocean because it's like right outside his front door and he sees a dead boy in the water and the reefs. And he asks his mom about it and she's just like, there's no boy there. And she even goes swimming to like show him like there's nobody here. But um, beyond that, I don't know. I don't want to miss. I don't want to ruin any of the mystery. But it's definitely um, if you like The Witch, you would love that movie. I didn't like The Witch. Oh, I oh, love I, Evolution, I so I don't like, want. I, I don't like, want to mislead anybody. I, don't, I felt like the pacing, the the way they told the story, there were so many similarities between The yeah, Witch and this. Can... But the subject matter is very different. Yeah, and and, and the. The narrative, I think, is clearer and yeah. more concise yeah. and really, really sharply honed. And but the in terms of is like, a little sweeter as well. You think it's sweet at I the end? I think the end. You mean of evolution is yeah, ambiguous. of evolution. Oh, I thought it's it was ambiguous. Sweet. <laughs> I think that's uh, me reading too much into movies. I do that a lot. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. What it, you said? You think it's a sweet ending? Uh huh. Well, I think leading up to the end is sweet, but then that very last image is very ambivalent. It's like, maybe this isn't better. You know what I mean? Because you see industrial, kind of. It's all sort of ugly industrial. I think it's just civilization. Yeah, but there's, a, but I don't know. I, I got a vibe of, the I movie mean, is so maybe. quiet, and there's so little talking that you can read so much into it. You know? <laughs> it doesn't tell you how to feel about any of it. And it's, oh, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. I would love to delve into it more in one of our. So much. Uh, Which is, and it's like the, the opposite of what I was talking about. It's all about mothers and sons, mm -hmm. you know, rather than. I, I don't know why this film, people weren't talking about this film like they did The Witch. It should have been yeah. a horror sci-fi lovers, you know, dream come true, fantasy, horror, sci-fi. Um, and it's, yeah, and why it went under the radar, I, I don't know. What country was it? It was, I don't even remember, Serbia or something? Uh, let me see. It, I guess IMDb I, isn't telling me things. Oh, it's uh, France. I was wrong. It's France. Yeah, I was going to say, I think... It's for, she's the ex-wife of Gaspar Noé, who did Irreversible. Oh, really? Which is weird, right? Yeah. I, I think I like her movies better than his. <laughs> but, and I wish that the title, when you have a title like Evolution, it's so basic and so bland. And, it and makes un sense when you think about it, but it doesn't really tell you anything about the film until you watch it. And there's no reason why anybody would say, oh, this, oh, evolution, we got to watch and it's, this. It's like it's me like, and Crystal, what? as soon as you told us to watch it, we're like, oh, that old movie with David Duchovny? We've already seen that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a, it's, it's, it's a bad title. Uh, I don't know what a better one would be, but I think you need something more intriguing. And because the film is called so it like, I don't know, something to do with sirens or. Uh, there's so many names to do with the ocean and mermaids and yeah. mystery so did, you could have went for. And yeah. And it's sort of like a giant hospital. And it seems like it's an island. It's a rocky island, yeah. right? Yeah. In terms of fantasy and the whole mermaid and women and sirens, I mean, what did you, because you know more about that stuff than I do. Did you pick up? 
and 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 also the Lovecraft connection. Where would that I, be? I didn't really I didn't really connect Siren until the very end, and you heard the Siren call at the very mm. end. That was when I went, oh wait, maybe this isn't Lovecraft. But regardless, even Sirens kind of hint at Lovecraft because Lovecraft is very much uh, cult worship and. It's we talked about this in our apocalypse trilogy video a little bit where yeah. it's things being normal but yet just one tick off. So the fact that they were all nurses but they didn't know how to do a C section, they were like watching videos of C sections, or it was a town of just women and little boys. And then it was the the waves and the ocean kept calling to them, and that that is heavily Lovecraft because. Love, um, Cthulhu sleeps below the waves. That's what I was gonna say. Uh, this uh, couldn't this island be Cthulhu? It could be Relay almost. Relay is the the city where he slumbers, but the geometry made too way too much sense for it actually to be Relay. But the still, ge geometry of like the hospital, the kind of yeah, in Relay, the, the the description of Relay is like. You can be walking in a 90 degree, like, like, say this, I forget you can't see me. <laughs> I'm making a 90 degree with my hands. I've seen you do that before, so I can imagine. <laughs> Use your this imagination. Um, but you could be walking and, like, say you're walking up against a wall, and then you would fall in the crevice of the wall because the 90 degree angle actually was like a portal to the upside down. And then it, it's it's like upside down buildings and just the geometry doesn't make sense. Like right. the structures should not be standing because they the weight distribution, everything doesn't make sense in relay. Trying to explain it is I don't know how Lovecraft ever explains it, but But I would say that the um the movie evolution definitely you can't add up the parts when you do yeah. go to that big hospital you know it's all everything's wet and everything's like slimy and everything's like um yeah, there's it, always water running down yeah. the walls and yeah and it, it gave me a, a heavy so, lovecraft feeling just because it was always like the ocean was this impending doom to the little boy and that's that's Cthulhu. That's Lovecraft. That's the cult of Dagon. And even in, like, the cult of Dagon are, are like, cultists, and they slowly turn into, like, fish people. So the women, oh. like, heavily were reminding me of the cult of Dagon. I remember you talking about that and, and how... Fish people? In, in, well, yeah, but in... Um, those weird eyes in uh, Carpenter's yeah. uh, The Mouth yeah. of Madness that people kind of looked... The double pupils at, in Mouth of Madness, yeah, yeah. They didn't, they looked like... Yeah, it's, kind of it's, always like, it's always like trying to be normal, but does something right. really bizarre to make it uncanny or really disturbing. Yeah. Like, and, and, if you were talking to someone and then all of a sudden they started talking through their eyeball. Like their, their blinking was mimicking what their mouth should be doing, but they don't realize it and they just keep talking to you. Oh my God. Lovecraft is so creepy. Because <laughs> I've only That's read- That's why everybody Day. loves it. Oh, it creeps me out. I've only read At the Mountains of Madness and even the most, yeah, he's really, it's very good. He's really good. He knows how to work language to creep you out. Oh, and, and it's so- there's something so icky about 
what he describes I'll, the 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 penguins with no eyes oh it's just so creepy <laughs> it's like fish with no eyes. you know it yeah. is it's natural world having gone slightly bizarre yeah but trying to mimic and that's why thing was a good example because thing was trying yeah. to mimic but it just it was failing miserably every time right so yeah i agree that um I mean, evolution is a, an experience. I would tell people, try to see it on the largest screen you can find. Yeah, I, I watched uh, it on my computer, and I wish I'd watched it on our big screen TV with yeah. the lights out and just completely experienced it. It's very a, much... It's a very it's atmospheric a, film. It's like you're just in a, engulfed in this other world. It's very dreamlike. Mm -hmm. so dreamlike is a good way to explain it. I mean, literally dreamlike, where you're yeah. in it where you're you really are inside a dream and and it's not i guess it turns a little nightmarish it i don't know it's it's just verges on horror i don't know that it's sci-fi i don't know how to describe it but it's definitely for a horror i fan. would only throw it into science fiction because it reminds me of lovecraft and he's yeah. kind of cosmic horror yeah but yeah. there wasn't like any besides um, C-sections, there wasn't really any science in it. But boy, <laughs> just as you got closer and closer to figuring out what's going on, it was like, oh, please don't go there. Please don't go there. Please don't yeah. go there. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man. Gotta, yeah, there were so many things. I'm like, don't, don't be what Ooh. I think you're doing. <laughs> it, oh, my God. It was incredible. Yeah. I think it'll be one of those films that'll be, you know, rediscovered later. Hopefully. Maybe. It hope. deserves to be. Maybe we should just keep it's, pushing for it. Yeah. <laughs> just tell well, everybody, go watch this movie. Uh, she's she's directed other things, and I haven't seen those, and I, I really want to find them now because... Um, it's so masterfully direct. I mean, I just, I don't, how she, you have to have a really clear vision of what you want, I guess, to create that sense of world that's so complete and so fully immersive. Yeah. Like, think, she had so much background story and so much everything that was never said, but you understood it just from where yeah. they were. Like, that's what was so amazing. There was very little speaking, but I knew everything I needed to know. Yeah. And you were given a lot of stuff that you could, um, you could that would stimulate your imagination. Yeah, it left a lot for you to, to fill in the yeah. blank. Yeah, absolutely. And the acting was, even though you wouldn't think acting would be part of something so weird that we're describing, the acting is like you said, it's super duper duper subtle because they don't say very much, and you're not sure what's going on, and the little boy's not sure what's going mm -hmm. on, and you see things through his eyes. Yeah, so, I like, too, because, I mean, when you're a little boy, you just take everything your parents say at, like, gospel-level value, and it's you're, you're, you're seeing a little boy that's actually just now starting to question things. Right, right. And, um, like you said, just the movement of his eyebrow, you mm -hmm. know, tells you a lot. And the same thing with the mother and all the other mothers in the, in the film. They all are playing very deadpan, so that... Um, just the slightest thing. Yeah, it slightest does. Deviation. It, it's like, it does oh, make him on. and then the one nurse that gives him the journal, it makes them stand out because they're more expressive. Yeah. And it's and when we say more expressive, we're talking just a teeny little yeah. bit <laughs> compared to what, you know, mm -hmm. to God, it's amazing. I forgot about the nurses sitting around and watching videos of C -Sex. Yeah, oh man. Oh my god, just the I it's like, like when I was watching it, that. I was like, this is really, excuse the pun, fishy. 
this whole area is really fishy. And then when I watch them, I'm like, they don't know how to do C-sections. They're not real nurses. Like, well, they are, but, oh, God, I don't know. I don't want to give any more away, except please watch Evolution from 2016 yeah. or 2015. Uh, 2015. Yeah, and and there are subtitles, but there's very little talking. Yeah, so it's not gonna. It's if you don't like reading subtitles, it's not gonna impede you. It's that not much. gonna bother you. Um, yeah, it's. You know, I've heard I've heard about this movie, A Cure for Wellness, and it's gotten really bad reviews. Oh, for, I want to see it. It, but I don't, it. it looks like the exact same. Yeah, it does environment. Look. It looks so similar. Like almost a ripoff, but I don't I don't know if that's true because I haven't seen it yet. But all that watery stuff and the mm -hmm. hospital setting. Yeah, I really want to see it. You're not sure what's going on. So yeah, I guess I'll eventually see it, even though the reviews were, were not very good. But um it looks like the same and almost the same environment. So yeah, yeah. And then you had also said that uh maybe we'd want to talk about evolution with Goodnight Mommy, which I've wanted us to talk about Goodnight Mommy because yeah, I that's... Think, and I think those... I, I was kind of waiting uh, for something to put it with, and I feel like that's a good one to put it with. Goodnight Mommy really, really disturbed me. And Could thinking you, about... Like, it really, it really disturbed me, the way that Raw did. I mean, Raw is funner. I haven't seen Raw yet. It's it's next on my list, that and Train to Busan. I wouldn't say fun, but Raw's wilder. Um, Goodnight Mommy's very, you know tamped down and and similar to like you said yeah it does have a lot of parallels with evolution of like is your mother your mother or is she some kind of weird uh, -huh. uh stand in and It'd be interesting uh, we could do like good night mommy evolution and maybe like baba duke oh god we don't want to talk about the baba duke again i love baba duke <laughs> well, you guys, first of all, the first we review, actually have already uh, talked about Baba Duke. Duke. Yeah, and then when we talked about um, mental illness, you know, or illness, mm -hmm. disease, and yeah, talked a lot that about that one Baba was Duke. heavy. Yeah, Ugh, I that just love that movie. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I need Again, to, you know, female horror director. Yeah, that's right. I need to go back to the Baba Duke because I really disliked it. But maybe <clears throat> it, that also is mother. You know, listen, <laughs> all these films with the mother and mother yeah. and son is just like, it's so weird. It's so different. Um, it's the exact opposite of what I've been thinking about lately. But yeah, very interesting. But all these films are really deep. They, they've, the, all the details have been thought about, you know, and all, despite the fact that the people in all the creatures and characters in evolution, are ciphers there's still a lot of characters well, yeah. i don't know characterization but like you said our main characters distinguish well, there's themselves. still uh identity within the other characters but the other characters the identity is that they are all the same identity yeah and yeah. then you have two that are not oh that's what i was thinking it's like a yeah. mixture it's got a little bit of um it's almost like everyone else is a zombie and it's sort of zombie, and it's sort of um, uh, um, invasion of the body. It has a little bit of invasion mm -hmm. of the body, Snatcher's yeah. body, and it's got it's like a mix. It's got splash. I was trying to think when I was watching it. Oh, this is Splash meets Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> I had all these other films. Thinking, I had all these great films. I was thinking of that. If you mix them together, you get evolution. But I can't remember now what they were. I know Splash was one of them. I just saw a recent, again, I watched Cracked like crazy, and they were talking about how Splash is actually uh, 
is it Tom Hanks that's the main character in Splash? Yeah. Yeah, Tom Hanks's um, delusion leading him to suicide. I remember. Uh, did you? I think you forwarded that to us. Oh, maybe I did. It was so I good. I was up. like, oh my Heard god, this up. is crazy. Uh, uh, I'm so. really big on crack. There's a there's one person on crack, Daniel O'Brien. I love him because he thinks about movies the same way I do. I just wish he was obsessed with horror like I was. But uh, I like watching him because he goes into these deep theories that I like. And so I send you a lot of Daniel O'Brien stuff. Right, right. No, it's good. It's really good. I wish we could have, I wish we were that slick, but someday. We'll get there one day. We'll get there one day. Mm -hmm. So we're actually live streaming. So that's, yes. <laughs> that's a big, huge All forward of our in technology. All sins and wishes and desires are already out on the interwebs. Yeah. So I've saw, I've seen a ton of other things, but I think you just to yeah. keep, keep we're already hitting an hour. Yeah, so we've I've already stopped. told you about a lot because I mean I told you I watched Possession and I wa I watched most of the stuff you and Crystal have recommended. I to me. really want us to watch Possession. I mean I want us to do a session a discussion of Possession. Okay. What what did you think? We're talking about Andre Zulawski's Possession yes. from 1980, um, which is a horror film. I don't care what anybody says, and it, oh, is, it is a Lovecraft film in the last the last forty five minutes, right? Yeah. Possession. No, Lovecraft. yeah, yeah. It's um. Hold on, I'm gonna pull up an image for the for the live stream. And it's in English, so even though it's uh, it's a mixture of well, the director's Polish and the lead actress is French, and the lead actress from New Zealand. And it's filmed in Germany. It's all pretty much all in English. What did what did you think? Uh, I told you I thought it was like um, the whole first two thirds, three three fourths of the movie was an interesting descent into madness, and then yeah. the last like twenty minutes or last hour, I don't remember, last quarter of the movie was like a classy Hellraiser. And, oh right that's yeah. a great that's a great parallel and it was yeah, fantastic classic. i loved it and i loved how it did that shift from just a movie about madness to wait no there's something more here and whereas like hellraiser they show you right at the beginning like oh it's this crazy like monster or whatever right but no it was it was, it was really beautiful it was really well done it, uh, i loved it and the acting Oh, I love Sam Neill. I think he's. I love Sam Neill too. He's, he's one of my like top ten or whatever. Me too. But even Me the too. the woman in that film was phenomenal. Like she was probably she was better than Sam Neill. Just well, like, she she got a all kinds of awards. Did she? I I'm not sure if she got an award at Cannes, but she got big awards for that role for that performance. She deserves uh, it. That. That breakdown it, in the subway was yeah, it's something famous. else. <laughs> it's famous. I it's don't. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it had to be all done in one shot because I don't think she could do that twice. I don't know, but she apparently it was very ups The whole process was apparently a nightmare. But mm -hmm. I have questions about like raw. Some of the uh, I have questions for you and Crystal. Well, and any hopefully Brady and Kendall will join us as well. Yeah. About Raw, about Goodnight Mommy. I have a lot of questions about Goodnight Mommy. I have a lot of questions about um, Possession. Like a lot of the movies I want us to talk about have these gaps of like, I'm not sure why that just happened or this whole, I'm not sure what this whole section was about, but 
you know, I really like the movie, but I need, I would love to have us talk more to get some answers or to just hash some certain things out. Because again, we all come at it from such different ways, mm-hmm. from such different angles that um, anything related to folklore or uh, fairy tales, um, yeah. you know, you, you you have to, if you don't have the answer, I'll never speak to you. <laughs> <laughs> I always like, oh, Monica will understand this whole thing going on here. Because I, some yeah. like weird Norse, uh, some ancient medieval Norse, um, you know, uh, family saga that they're referencing here. And I just don't, I'm just not sure which one or what it is. So Monica will explain it. <laughs> or, or like with Lovecraft, because he's showing up everywhere these days. Yeah. And I love it. He's, he's phenomenal. And I feel like, and the funny thing is, is like it's largely not him. It's people continuing his work that have made it so amazing. I bet um, reading Clive Barker, I see how much is borrowed, you know, from from. I mean, technically, even Evil Dead, like they flat out use the Necronomicon, which is oh just, right, like, yeah. right, yeah, right. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. People just keep going with it, and it just keeps growing. And it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be organic. It makes it feel more realistic when it's coming from multiple citations. Right. It's just weird that it's taken so long for it to become as him to become as. Yeah. Well, and I guess he's people- still like we even went we went on the Lovecraft tour like we we went to uh, Pennsylvania and we me and Paul went and like visited all the places that Lovecraft went and even there where you could take the Lovecraft tour. Half the people we would talk to did not know who he was. Mm, and I'm like, we're literally standing at HP Lovecraft Square right now. Like his name is on really? a placard right there. Yeah, <laughs> but, I I thought he was I thought he was born when did he leave Rhode Island? Probably Sorry, Rhode Island, you're right. It's like where was I? Pennsylvania. Okay, now I'm confused. No, it's, it is Rhode it's Providence. We that's where we went, Rhode Island. Yeah. Right. I don't even remember where I went. <laughs> now I remember I, I lived in Providence for three years and uh-huh. I was not I didn't really know who he was, but there was like a plaque. I guess you're talking about there's a whole little plaque with a picture of him mm-hmm. and it, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, so that- over at Brown University, they have a lot of stuff towards him and um they're actually cuz we went to this I'm so happy like randomly I was just like, "Oh, let's go to this Lovecraft store." There's one, you know, there's in a the Lovecraft store. Yeah, in the old mall. Um Holy I think moly. it's called like Love Arts and Crafts or something like that. It's really cute. Um, but it's in it's the like, old like promenade mall down there in uh, mm-hmm. Providence. Yeah. And um, we were talking to the guy that runs it and he's the one that's actually putting out all the stuff. And he's like, pretty soon they've got a statue that they've commissioned that they're going to put oh down God. in the middle of like Brown university. And they've already like, cause Brown university has a whole bunch of artwork and it's yeah, like this but, big statue and it's like, but, it's a really good looking statue. Like I saw it. Really? It's pretty cool. It's just a statue of a man holding a book. And then from the book, well, it's like Lovecraft, but from the book, there's like two tentacles coming out. Oh, okay. So that it's just like to- a statue of him and he's got a book, but the, there's like tentacles coming out of the book and it looks really good. But Brown is such a typical politically correct, you know, like all Ivy league, whatever Yeah. that when people find out, his some of his political leanings, shall we say, 
I don't know. I don't know if everybody's going to well, be okay actually, with that. Near the end of his writings, did change, and he publicly like wrote apologies and stuff like that. Really? Yeah, at the that. end of his days, but because he started traveling more when he got older, and at the end of his days, he, I, I can't remember, but I remember watching a documentary about him. Where oh. It was like a few letters to other famous authors and a few. Yeah. Because he used to write it to the local um, newspaper in Rhode Island too. Yeah. And there's a few of them where he like basically does public statements of apology. Uh, he still kind of wasn't the greatest on women, but when it came to like race, he was like, "These people are just the same as us. I can't believe I ever thought otherwise." And Wait, are we talking about his anti-Semitism as well? Yeah, he was just, he started realizing, because he was he was racist, like, uh, there, several of his literature works have undesirable commentary in yeah. them, but later on, he apologized, he was just like, we're, basically, uh, I know I'm paraphrasing horribly, but basically we're all human. And hmm. that's what he was saying, he realized I didn't, the end, I didn't it realize was the that. end of his days, so he was already done writing all his stories, but... Yeah, he, he kind of changed right before he died. Oh, he just, and that marriage looked so miserable. Oh, well. Yeah, the marriage. He married a Jewish woman. Mm -hmm. That's what's so weird. And his best friend was gay, right? It's like so contradictory yeah. and weird. But I think she forced him to travel too. And then yeah. I don't remember if they split up or she died. Well, he stayed in New York and regardless, he hated it. Yeah, regardless, the they weren't married after a while. I don't remember if yeah, it's because yeah. one of them died or they divorced, but. What an odd fellow. Yeah, he was. But now people are writing, there's this series of philosophy books um, that's that are related to his um, horror of philosophy. And um, there's three of them, but there's more where they actually use Lovecraft stories as basis for philosophical musings. Um, actually, like creating philosophy out of Lovecraft, like oh. serious philosophy. Um, so that's getting, you know, that's serious. It's more, this isn't well, just, Well, it makes you know, sense. I mean, we watched the um, Prince of Darkness and a lot of the t subjects that they hit on matter, antimatter, um, Christ, antichrist. Yeah. And the possibility of the deities that we worship are not deities. They're just people with advanced technology that we don't understand. And that's... I mean, that's philosophy, but that's largely what he was about. I hope that people, when they watch our Carpenter trilogy video or listen to the audio, that they'll realize, because I know a lot of people dismiss um, uh, Prince of Darkness because it is so low budget and it is so strange. Very campy. And there's a camp element to yeah. it. And the same thing with... Uh, you know, it's my contention that that in the mouth of madness is his great final masterwork. So I hope people realize that the, the more you know about this stuff, the more you see these films are really kind of major. That the ideas going on are really deep and and isn't it's not just gobbledygook or it's not <laughs> that that Carpenter cares about this stuff that he's yeah. genuinely thinking about this stuff. You know what I mean? And that when you see. Uh, films where the director, the filmmakers are think you can tell if the directors are thinking about something that they care about. Yeah. I mean, why else would he put Alice Cooper in it? Come <laughs> on. Anyway, we should wrap up. Yeah, we we really derailed, but I will always talk about Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah, I'm endlessly fascinated. He just created the the material creeps me out so much. I don't know that I'm ready to dive back into it, but I will. I, I will. Even some and, like, I don't know. You, 
Stephen King is heavily Lovecraft, and Neil Gaiman is heavily Lovecraft. So if you don't want to touch Lovecraft, then I would just recommend a few Stephen King books. No, I'll go to Lovecraft yeah. because uh, I'm not I, the I, source. I, and I like I'm liking uh, the Clive Barker I'm reading. I like he's a re he's yeah, really good he with language. Yeah. And yeah. Was having issues with Stephen King, but w w we're supposed to talk about yes. The Shining, the book. Yes, we need to do that. So that'll time. be coming. That'll be coming soon, that'll everyone. It'll be, be very excited. exciting. All right. All right. So that is wrapped up our films. We watched uh, Evolution XX, Train to Bus Bar, The Host. <laughs> Wait, train to Busan. Busan. Sorry, I'm doing it off of memory. <laughs> Plus bar. That's Plus good. bar. That's a drug. <laughs> uh, oh, that's why you thought. Yeah, it's, it's my jaw bleeding through right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, what did we say? Uh, Train to Busan, The Host, Ten Cloverfield Lane, and uh, don't 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 breathe. Don't breathe. All yeah. very very good watches. All right. Thanks for All watching right. our first live stream on Twitch. Uh, we will catch you guys later. See if it works and see if we do it in the future. <laughs> yes. <laughs>